Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash my money health check. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. So as inflation's hitting so severely and forecast to hit even more severely over the winter, we wanted to find out how well supermarkets are dealing with it and how well they are labelling their products to see whether shoppers can actually find the best items for them, the cheapest items. The supermarkets want us to, to spend more money, so they are encouraging us quite often to get more efficiency for the price by buying the larger sizes, which are higher priced. Not everybody can have that on their budget, so their weekly budget might not run to buying for that. I sometimes think it's a bit of a game between the supermarkets and the shoppers, you know, like they're trying to pull the wool over our eyes a little bit. As the current cost of living crisis deepens, it's more important now than ever to find savings where possible, especially on our weekly food shopping. But how easy is it to do that in practice? In a recent witch investigation, we found it might be harder than you think. And the supermarkets have some explaining to do. Joining me today is the witch senior researcher and writer behind the scoop, Ellie Simmons. Welcome, Ellie. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, Ellie, it's no surprise then that food prices are on the rise. So your work putting them under scrutiny is super important right now. But before we get to that, can we talk about what's going on with inflation? Because just yesterday, the headline splashed across all the big news outlets reported that food inflation in August rose at the fastest rate since the global crash of 2008. Can you talk us through the latest? Absolutely. So there are various different kind of official food inflation figures out there, and they all paint a pretty bleak picture, to be honest. Mm. Um, Yesterday, it was the British Retail Consortium, and they announced food inflation was at 9.3%. There are also figures from an organisation called Kantar, um, Mm. and their latest figure was 11.6% for grocery inflation. So it's pretty bleak, kind of whichever, whichever one you look at. And it's fueled by the war in Ukraine, which has affected the price of animal feed, fertiliser, wheat, vegetable oil and all these things, as well as a bit of a kind of post-pandemic pent up demand being unleashed and issues with supply chains that are linked to that too and labour shortages. So there's lots of different factors feeding into it. Either way you look at it, the, the picture is pretty bleak. The headline Figures really only tell part of the story. Uh, We did our own research here at Witch a month or two ago where we looked at food inflation and we crunched 1.9 million prices of groceries across major supermarkets. We found that while these headline inflation figures give you a kind of overall average, there are also lots of interesting bits that will affect how inflation affects individuals, you know, you and me differently. 
Um, so we found hundreds of products up um, 20% or more over two years. Mm. Um, and there are differences in the types of products as well that you can buy. So fizzy drinks were up the most um, inflation wise. Chocolate was up the least um, and, and different types of food um, and drink within within that range were, were also up by different amounts. Inflation also varies uh, according to the types of products that you buy. So we looked at own label items across supermarkets um, and we looked at how inflation differs if you buy the budget ranges compared to the standard ranges or the premium ranges. And we found differences there. We found that, thankfully, budget ranges are, were only up um, a, a small amount, 0.2%, when we did our research um, across two years. Standard ranges were up 2.84% and premium ranges were up 3.15%. So it really does vary according to what you buy, where you buy it, um, and your particular personal shop will all affect how much your personal rate of inflation is when you're food shopping. So as you say, Ellie, it is an incredibly bleak situation for shoppers right now. How did it lead to your investigation coming into play? What did you set out wanting to uncover? So as inflation's hitting so severely and forecast to hit even more severely over the winter, we wanted to find out how how well supermarkets are are dealing with it and how well they are labeling their products to see whether shoppers can actually find the best items for them, the cheapest items. So we set out to find out whether or not shoppers could identify the cheapest items um, in the supermarket when they were shopping. And a key term in your investigation is unit pricing. Um, What is it and, and how can taking note of it help us make savings? So unit pricing is a price per unit and it often shows itself on a supermarket label on the edge of the shelves as a cost per 100 mil for um, liquids or a cost per 100 grams for, for things like breakfast cereal or more solid foods. So you'll look at the label and you'll see an overall price for the pack that you're buying but then underneath should be a price per 100 mils or 100 grams or something equivalent that will enable you to look across the different pack sizes and the different presentations of similar items to work out which is actually the cheapest per unit. So comparing a product's unit price is the best way to find out which is the cheapest option. But if supermarkets aren't making unit pricing labelling easy enough for us to compare, could you work it out? Well, to put that to the test, I took to the streets myself presenting would-be shoppers with a scenario and asking exactly that. We set up a stand on a busy high street in Hackney in London with three real supermarket examples of different Diet Coke options and their supermarket labels. It included two litre bottles, £1.77 each or a loyalty card promotion of two for £3, 10 330ml cans for £4.19 or 24 cans for £9 or £8 with a loyalty card. Already, I know, I know we're talking a lot of numbers, but this is really just the tip of the iceberg compared with all the options you'd get on the supermarket shelves. And the really tricky thing about the example we give, this real life example, is that none of the promotional offers come with unit pricing. So to really know which is the best value, you'd have to work it out. Let's hear how the shoppers found it. Can you work out the best value from these supermarket offers? Best value option. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. You've got the two big ones. They're two litres each. They're two litres each. So the promotional prices, the loyalty card prices, mm-hmm. they don't have price per 100 mil. Really? 
How would you work it out? I don't know about the 24 one because I can't do the maths that quickly. How many litres is that again? Well, you'd have to work it out by timesing 24 by 330. <laughs> this is a tough one. Hmm. If you had this more clearly, and people knew maths, I guess. <laughs> when you're calculating it, you're thinking, oh, but as a mum, you're just saying three pounds. That's all you see is three pounds. And that's the cheapest. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to do maths, but I, I, can't, I feel like this is probably better, yeah. In the end, if I, if I like, got out my calculator. But who shops like that? No one. We also filmed the shoppers' responses and you can find the full video online and I'll put a link to that in the show notes for today's episode too. So Ellie, we heard that it can take a while to work out what the best deal is and honestly, it feels a near impossible task when you're rushing around the supermarket but crucially, it isn't always that obvious either. How did your research compare? So we put a range of real life examples of fizzy drinks um, to shoppers to see whether they could find the cheapest per unit. And we found 72% of shoppers couldn't work out the cheapest fizzy drink per unit in the range of these real life examples from supermarkets, which I think is is pretty shocking, to be honest, particularly mm. during a cost of living crisis that we're experiencing at the moment. That wasn't all we did. We also compared the average prices of different sized groceries. So, you know, different size bottles of milk, for example. And we found you could pay up to 346% more for exactly the same product, just packaged in a in a bigger Gosh. or a smaller way. Um, so that really shows, I think, the value of unit pricing and why it's so important. Shoppers could be paying this huge amount, 346% more if they're not reading the unit pricing or the unit pricing isn't there. So that's how much of a difference unit pricing can really make to shoppers if it's done properly. Mm. During our research as well, we also um, visited supermarkets ourselves to see how unit pricing was working in practice. Mm. And we found numerous examples across supermarkets of um, missing unit pricing inconsistent unit pricing and, and illegible unit pricing so even where it is being used it's not always helpful and it can be quite confusing for shoppers and as we heard from the shoppers we asked working out which is the cheapest actually stopping and doing the maths for every product you buy is completely unrealistic and impractical but we should say just for the record what is the calculation you'd need to do to work out unit pricing so yes, it's the total price divided by the total volume. Sometimes with the total volume, if you're buying a multi-pack, you would need to multiply the volume of each individual item in that pack, say a, a kind of um, fizzy drink, by the number of um, cans in that pack to get the total volume. Um, and then you'll need to times it by 100 if you're after um, the price per 100 milliliters or 100 grams. The other thing to mention is that you need to make sure you keep your units consistent. So um, either pence and pence or pounds and pounds, litres and litres or millilitres and millilitres. If you start mixing up the units, um, you'll get a, a, an odd figure. So, yeah, just to recap, total price divided by total volume times 100. 
It's definitely a really useful calculation to know, but as we've already said, I just don't think it's realistic or fair to expect shoppers to have to work it out. And Lorna Cooper, who runs the brilliant blog called Feed Your Family for 20 Quid, has been talking to us about what she calls the game between supermarkets and shoppers. And I think that sums it up really well. Here she is giving a plethora of reasons why it's so difficult to work out the best value items across different supermarkets. You know, I've been banging on about this <laughs> this for years. Don't be seduced by you know the the large pack value or whatever it is that's stamped on the on on the pack. I sometimes think it's a bit of a game between the supermarkets and the shoppers. You know, like they're trying to pull the wool over our eyes a little bit, and and I get a great thrill out of working it out. Not a lot of people have got time. I also find it really really frustrating is the pack sizes. So if you want to buy chicken, for example, like chicken breast, and you go in and there's six different choices, the pack sizes are all different. So some are 340 grams, some are 450 grams, some are 600 grams, some places at 700 grams. And you're standing there and you're looking at them and you're thinking, right, well, I need this, but two packs are going to be too much and that pack's not enough. And does that work out cheaper to buy the, the bigger one? Does it work out cheaper to buy the two smaller ones? Um, yeah, I, I don't understand why they can't just all sell them in a standard pack size and then it'd be a lot easier. Also, what a lot of people are coming back to me and saying now is, you know, the prices of things are staying the same, but the pack sizes are shrinking. You used to get, you know, six bars of chocolate in a pack or six packs of crisps, it's now it's five. So it's still the same price and you go and you go, oh, oh that's good, uh, you know, a pound. And then you get home, you open up and you think, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Ellie, Lorna mentioned so much we could talk about there. What do you think about pack sizes across the supermarkets? And then, of course, pack sizes getting smaller. Have you noticed that? Absolutely. So pack sizes getting smaller is is a is a really kind of sneaky phenomenon and a, a way that supermarkets and manufacturers try to manage inflation. So obviously one way of them managing inflation is to put up prices. Another way of managing inflation is to cut back on the number of promotions they're offering. And then a further way of managing inflation is actually to keep the same price for a product, but to give you less products in the pack. And that's something that's been around for years and years and years. But obviously, you're likely to see more of it during times of high inflation, because it's something that supermarkets turn to increasingly when, when cost is a problem. So in our investigation that we did a couple of months ago, we found um, a number of examples amongst really big big name brands of groceries such as Nescafe, Persil, Surf, Walker's Crisps and Cadbury's Chocolate. We found examples of all of those where they were being offered for the same price, but the pack size had reduced. And unless you have the two packs there side by side, or unless you're a super savvy shopper and you're noticing what the pack size is every time you go shopping, you're probably not very likely to spot it. But what will happen is when you're using those products, they'll run out run out much quicker um, than they would have done before. And essentially, you're, you're paying quite significantly more per unit for that product than you would have been before. When it comes to pack sizes, it could also be said that reserving the best value for big multi-buy or large items unfairly excludes a whole load of shoppers. This is something Susan Rose, a professor in consumer behaviour from Henley Business School, has been telling us. 
the supermarkets want us to, to spend more money. So they are encouraging us quite often to get more efficiency for the price by buying the larger sizes, which are higher priced. Not everybody can have that on their budget. So their weekly budget might not run to buying for that. The other thing is storage and transportation. So if you're a shopper who doesn't have a car, you can't necessarily carry lots of large sized items home with you. And you may not have anywhere to store them. And more importantly, you might not literally be able to eat that much in the time period. So if we're looking at perishable goods, encouraging people to buy larger pack sizes or larger amounts of an item when they can't actually eat that much uh, is quite, quite adding to food wastage as well. Susan also goes on to make a very interesting point about how times of inflation can see changes in our shopping behaviour too. There is a distinction in terms of shopping behaviour as to sort of utilitarian, you know, we go in for toothpaste and floor cleaner and these sorts of things that are very utilitarian. But um, shoppers also like indulgence. They they will have things in their shopping basket that will be a treat, a treat for the family or a treat for themselves. And quite often at times of inflation, which we're looking at at the moment, Big indulgence, like having a holiday or going out for an evening meal, may have to go by the wayside a little bit, but we can still give ourselves these little indulgences. And what we know is um, from past periods of um, inflation, small items like some flowers or a lipstick and so on went up and increased quite a lot in sales because they were the small items that the customer could still sort of treat themselves to, uh, even though higher prices were, were, were going on around them. It's really interesting to hear about Susan's research finding smaller indulgences are going up as bigger ones are going out of the window, which puts an even greater onus on supermarkets to play their part. And to bring it back to our main discussion today, for supermarkets to make unit price labelling clearer for shoppers. So Ellie, what's going wrong here? Because as it stands, supermarkets are letting customers down, aren't they? That's certainly our view. Um, We believe that supermarkets can do an awful lot more to help shoppers through this cost of living crisis. And they can do an awful lot more when it comes just to unit pricing, let alone other things. So which is calling for unit pricing to be more prominent, more legible, more consistent across um, supermarkets and all the groceries that they offer. We also would really like to see it on promotions. Our investigation found that unit pricing wasn't on um, multi-buys. We couldn't find any multi-buys with unit pricing on them. And we also couldn't find it on loyalty card offers. So we would really like to see unit pricing on those two things and also just across the board being clearer and easier for shoppers to, to see and then to use so that they can ultimately find the best value deals for them. And Ellie, we should say that this is happening seven years on from Witch's super complaint about pricing practices. Ellie, what did the supermarket say when you shared the findings of this investigation with them? And what are we now calling for here at Witch? So we um, at Witch put this big super complaint into the Competition and Markets Authority in 2015, and it covered a range of things to do with pricing. Um, and unit pricing in supermarkets was one of those things. After the super complaint, the legislation itself wasn't changed, um, although there were a series of recommendations to 
to improve unit pricing. The legislation itself wasn't changed. And as our latest research shows, there's still an awful lot more to be done. Mm. Um, So we absolutely don't think that this issue is kind of done and dusted. And in particular, when you look at the pressures that shoppers will be under and are already under this coming winter, I think it makes it all the more important to address we put our findings to the supermarkets. Two of them replied. Waitrose said, we regularly review all our products to ensure our unit pricing is clear and consistent so that customers can compare prices and save money. Our partners are always on hand to assist customers with any pricing queries. And a little spokesperson said, We always endeavour to ensure that pricing information is as clear as possible for our customers so that they can make informed purchasing decisions. Thanks, Ali. Well, we have to watch this space uh, for how things change. Hopefully they will do in the near future. And to finish up today, then, it would be great to end on some advice for our listeners on saving money on their shopping and finding the best prices at the supermarket. First, let's hear again from Lorna with her advice. Write a meal plan, then write a shopping list. Then go and check what you've got in the cupboards already. Score off the things that you already have. And then try and keep your receipts. Or try and have a an idea of how much something cost you the last time. So I write a meal plan every week. I know, And then I check it online. So I'll check it in two supermarkets. And that lets me see from one week to the next where prices are going up. I don't say to people, go to a different shop. You know, go to six different shops every week because... You know, it's just not feasible. But if you can get an idea of prices, so I know that stock tubes are cheaper in one shop than they are sort of everywhere else. So when I do go to that one shop, maybe only once every six weeks, I'll buy enough stock tubes to last me so that I don't have to buy them anywhere else. Um, and that goes for, you know, all your sort of staples. If you do find yourself saving some money because your your chicken's reduced, um, invest that money. Don't just put it in your pocket buy an extra couple of tins or something like that um, and hopefully see you through the winter. So often our discussions on the podcast come back to doing your own research and Lorna doing her own kind of price tracking across supermarkets before heading out is a brilliant example of that. And Ellie, what would you add to this for our listeners? So while inflation is looking pretty bleak when it comes to um, food and drink over the next few months, there are things that that shoppers can do to to try to mitigate some of the effects so the first is shopping around and it might sound really obvious but actually where you do most of your grocery shopping can make a huge difference we do a piece of research here at which every month um, to reveal the cheapest supermarket for a basket of groceries and we include in that everything from bread to toothpaste and you might be amazed by how much the differences can be. So do have a look um, at our research on the website every month. It will tell you the cheapest supermarket that month. And if you can switch supermarkets, and obviously it is hard for some people to do that because um, of where you live and, and your what transport you have access to and so on. But if you can switch supermarkets um, or shop online, um, where you often have a bigger range of supermarkets to choose from, that can really help save you money on your weekly shop another good tip is to avoid convenience stores and that could save Mm. you hundreds of pounds a year Um, we've done some research into convenience store pricing and we know that convenience stores charge considerably more than their larger supermarket counterparts for the same items so so try not to um be dragged into a convenience store and and if you are try not to buy too much because it it pays to go 
to uh, those bigger bigger stores to buy your groceries. Other good tips are choosing own label items over big brands. Often in our taste tests, those own label brands come out um, tastier and better than their big brand equivalent. So you can not only save money, but you actually could find yourself with a better, tastier product. And if you're already buying own label items, you can trade down. So that's trading from a premium item to a standard range item or a standard range item to a budget range item. And that can save you considerable amounts of money as well. I think probably the the final tip that I would offer um, is to to not put too much store into supermarket offers. So we know our research has shown time and time again that supermarkets put their offers on a cycle. So you tend to have an item discounted for three or four weeks, then it goes back up to full price. Um, and then a few weeks later, it will be discounted again. So don't use those discounts to assume that you must buy there and then something that you didn't want to really buy um, because those items will be on discount again fairly soon. Um, but you can also use them to your advantage. And if those discounts are on things that you buy regularly and that you have space to store and won't go off, then absolutely stock up um, when items are discounted. The nature of these discounts are so predictable that that if you can avoid paying full full price for items that are regularly discounted then then make sure you do because that can save you a decent amount of money as well thank you so much to ellie for coming on the show today and to you for listening to this week's episode of the witch money podcast please do also subscribe to the show to make sure you catch us again next week and for more money news and advice find us on social media at witch money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money not forgetting there's also our free money newsletter which is delivered to your inbox every monday to sign up just visit witch.co.uk forward slash money newsletter This episode of the Witch Money podcast was produced and edited by Rob Lilly with additional support from Ian Aikman and Grace Witherden.